Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to Fragmenters. We have got an exciting guest today. Her name is Christina Inge, and she is the CEO, owner, master chef, whatever you want to call it, of Thoughtlight. Hello, Christina. Welcome. Hi, it is absolutely wonderful to be here, Deanna. It's Dina. Dina. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what is Thoughtlight? Break it down. Tell us what you do. Um, so Thoughtlight is a digital agency that I founded in 2014 here in Boston, Massachusetts, and we do everything from digital marketing to learning design for mission-driven organizations. We've worked with everybody from Ernst & Young in their Entrepreneur of the Year, which is part of their corporate social responsibility program, to individual authors and Really, what we focus on is helping people tell their stories online. So what do you mean when you say mission-driven organizations? Great question. So mission-driven is any company or organization that wants to improve the world in some way, which I know still is kind of vague. So you don't have to be a B Corp or a nonprofit, but you do have to be doing something that you know, is more than just about the dollars and is partly about helping people or making the world a better place. But we define that pretty broadly. So for instance, we've worked with organic pet food companies. We've worked with, again, as I mentioned, the corporate social responsibility parts of larger corporations. And really, it's kind of a case where you know it when you'll see it, but it's companies that are trying to do something positive and impactful. That is so meaningful. Is that part of your core values? Is that why you branched out and made your own business? Absolutely is, Dina. I wanted to start my own business for a very long time. And then it just, the stars aligned, maybe not in the most comfortable of ways, but a way that made it like the next logical step. And I knew I wanted to work with companies and organizations that shared our values and that I felt good about working with. And you said that you started your company in 2014. Is that when you started doing this work or were you doing it prior? I was in marketing prior. I worked in-house and for agencies prior. And then from there, I just decided it would be, ironically, in marketing, a more stable future for me <laughs> if I went into work for myself. Because, you know, the thing with marketing for startups is that it's often the first thing to go mm. or it doesn't, you know, it's often more junior work at a lot of companies. And so I found that, you know, my my earning potential was getting tapped out. I would be the top marketer at a company, but it was still not, you know, I wasn't making as much as my peers were doing in the large corporate sector, but I don't really, didn't really want to go to work 
in for large corporations. So I thought, well, what, what can I do? And that's when I started to incubate this idea of thought light. That's great. Did you know that you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or did it just happen because of what you just told us? I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur for a very long time. And I was reluctant, however, to make the plunge because people will tell you, oh, you're crazy. Um, that's yes. not a good idea. What are you going to do without health insurance? What are you going to do without a steady income? I can say, however, that I have prospered more after starting my company than before. So I guess that speaks for itself, but it, it kind of is scary. I do want to say that I didn't just jump into entrepreneurship. I kind of was pushed in the sense that I was working for a company that had a massive layoff and it's actually kind of a fun story. I, I hope this will be helpful to other people. So I had been thinking of doing my own startup or my starting my own agency, frankly, for a long time. But I thought, well, you know, now is not the time. I was taking care of my mother who fought a very long and courageous battle against ovarian cancer and lived mm -hmm. eight and a half years with the disease, which is an accomplishment in of itself. And um, she had taken a turn for the worst. I was working for a startup. It looked, they said their financials looked pretty solid going into the fall. And so I thought, well, let me let me give this a couple more years to save up and start my own business. And, you know, it, they were nice people. It was interesting work, but it wasn't my dream. But I was doing the smart and sensible thing mm -hmm. of, you know, staying, staying with the kind of work that brought in a steady paycheck. And then one day they are are. Our company's owners came in and said that they did not have enough money to make payroll. We were all going to be laid off just that, that Monday afternoon. It was 2 o'clock on a Monday. And so I thought, well, darn it, there, there goes plan A. It is, it is out the door. And so I live here in the beautiful Boston area, and I started to do whatever, what I always need to do when I need to make a decision, which is take a nice long walk. And I'm walking over the Longfellow Bridge that we have here. And I call a friend who's an attorney and I say, I'd like you to help me incorporate my own business. I've decided, well, I'm not going to take yet another, you know, stopgap job. And he said, well, I was wondering when you would finally do this. It was clear you dreamt of doing your own business for so long. I mean, we were literally both advisors on the board of an entrepreneurship network. And so... I said, well, I'm going to do it right now. He said, great. Well, when, when did this happen? When did you get laid off and start to think about your own business? I said, well, as of right now, about a little over an hour ago. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, okay, well, come back to me in two weeks time when you have a business plan and then we'll incorporate your business. So I get to the bottom of the Longfellow Bridge and I bump into my friend Byron, who is himself a successful entrepreneur. And he says, hey, Christina, how's it going? And I say, well, I've just decided to start my own company because I got laid off. And he said, congratulations. And he high-fived <laughs> me and he said, I'd like to work with you. And so the next day I made myself a little logo on using PowerPoint because I just was like, okay, I'm just going to see what happens. I made myself a little logo. 
and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because it, it was everything you are told not to do. Right. I just on this logo up on social media and announced that I'm starting this company and that I am hanging out my shingle. And within an hour, my phone rang of people who wanted to work with me. My colleague, Janine, a person I had spoken on a panel alongside years before, and she said, oh, I, I want to work with you. I've been, I have this project that's urgent, and I, I knew you were perfect for it, but I you know, didn't want to reach out because you seemed so busy with your day job. Mm -hmm. So glad that you're available now. And she became my first client. And so I ended up never writing a business plan at all. <laughs> it has been eight and a half years. It will be nine years in July of 2023. And at this point, I feel no need to write a business, but kids don't right. do what I did. <laughs> but that's that's the story of how I started my company. That is so inspiring. I know so many, I say women because I talk to women, but people in general that are intimidated by the process. And I know that it's a state-by-state -state basis. In Nevada, you have to have a business plan written out in order to get incorporated or an LLC. But I'm in Idaho. You don't have to. I've never written a business plan either. And I have a couple of them. So <laughs> it it's... It depends on the person. I mean, some people writing out that business plan gives them the confidence and the structure that they need to succeed. But other people are like, if I have to write this business plan, I'm never going to do it. So let's just do it and see what happens. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of like, also, I and it depends on your business too, right? Because a marketing agency, it's pretty straightforward what you do. People need marketing and we do it for them, right? And so it's not like I have a product that needs a product roadmap. I think that if we were a product-driven company, I wouldn't have been so cavalier. Mm -hmm. It's in a service business, It you kind of have to be more flexible and go where the business is. For a lot of people, you still do need a business plan. And I'm, I'm just waving. I don't know if people, this is going to be recorded on video, but no. if you're wondering what just happened, this is actually a, my point number two. So I, for folks who are just listening, I waved to somebody who just walked past the conference room that I'm sitting in. And that I work out of a co-working space that is a true community, the CIC here in the Boston area, and someone I've known for about 10 years and has always been very supportive of my business just walked past and waved to me. And so I waved back at being the big old dork that I am, <laughs> is easily distracted. The point here being, don't go it alone, even if you don't have a formal business plan, or even if you don't have a lot of money saved up, or any of the things you're supposed to do, you can throw out the window in different circumstances. But the one thing you should not ever throw out the window is looking for a sense of community, because that's the one completely non-negotiable part of being successful as an entrepreneur. And, and the friend I wave to is, is a man. It isn't necessarily just an all women's community you wanna be part of, although I've been part of some of those that are incredibly supportive, but find your people, find your community 
and stick to them because that has been the most important part of my growth as an entrepreneur is having people to have around as a sounding board, as a support system, because people who are not entrepreneurs will literally never, ever stop thinking you're a little weird. They are always going to send you, and as women, they're going to be insulting jobs that they're going to send you. They're going to be like, you know, you could have your PhD, and they're going to be sending you entry-level internships that they found online Mm -hmm. in a field that isn't even your own, or asking you to find some man who will take care of you so you can stay home. And they will never stop with that. Mm -hmm. Depending on obviously who, whether it's your family or friend or you know distant you know relatives or parts of you know your extended network, the only people who get that you are not crazy are your fellow entrepreneurs. So find those people; they are your backup on the days when it's difficult and everyone else's advice is to get you know throw in the towel and you know. I'll, I'll tell you, and again, this is no knock on doing this at any point in your life if this is your thing. Mm-hmm. But I had somebody maybe two years ago while I was working on my first book and had been a CEO for six years, send me a job they had found online to part-time demo cookies in the supermarket. <laughs> now, I would have done that had I had the spare time for the free cookies. And yeah. <laughs> I, you, you want me to push cookies on people in a supermarket? I am down if I have the time. But it, it's it's your fellow entrepreneurs who are not going to think you're better off demoing cookies part-time in a supermarket. And again, right. if you are currently doing that and you're happy, you know, just build your own cookie demo business around it and, and have fun. Go to town. I mean, but that kind of is... that's the challenge. I think we face double when as women, I'll be frank, I think Mm -hmm. we face it kind of extra as women. Oh, for sure. It's, it's hard enough getting in the space. And I feel that that's changing as the years go on. It's a little bit easier. And people are more open to seeing women in these leadership roles, but it's not equivalent. So it's still an issue. And it's something that's very good to bring up. I love that you've brought up the entrepreneur mind because I still work in a corporate job. My husband no longer does. He works full-time for our businesses, but every time I know it was so exciting, but every time we've looked into starting or purchasing a business, our entrepreneurial friends are like, hell yeah, let's get behind this. You know, you can do this, that, the other. And the individuals that we know through corporate who have done that their entire lives are like, I'm so sure. Why would you want to make that big investment? You know, you could do this with it. You could do that. And it's, it just takes a different type of person. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it's a whole different type of person to go out there and just say, screw the rules. I know we've been told to do this for ages and ages. You know, generations of our past have been told, get a job, stay there forever, retire and die. So going against that, it's really hard for some people to take. And it's so important to embrace those that are, a little against the status quo and keep them in your circle. 
absolutely. I, it's that is like I said, that's your support network right there. Mm -hmm. So when we were talking, you said your first book. Does yes. that mean you got a book and more than one book, actually? <laughs> I did. And it's another example of why maybe 70% of the people I know who aren't entrepreneurs think that I'm crazy. <laughs> so I wrote my first book. It is a marketing textbook. It's called Fundamentals of Marketing Analytics, and it's from Flat World. And that came out in January of this year. Mm -hmm. That book, I... I started, I want to say in 2018, and then my mother became bedridden and required mm. full-time care, and I'm an only child, and I was providing the full-time care for her, and I would write the book an hour a night when she had fallen asleep, or in little snatches of time during my morning commute, and I it took twice as long as it was supposed to to finish the book but I finished the book and then that came out and then I started to work on the second book which was a non-textbook because you know textbooks are wonderful but no one's gonna like buy of a textbook for right. any other purpose so I started working on that um, during lockdown and completed it during lockdown and that came out on the 27th of September. Of this that, year? This year. So I have had Yay! two books come out in one year. It wasn't supposed to happen that way, but life got in the way. And again, I don't want to just keep harping on that one topic, but every time, especially as women, when caregiving or any other form of life mm. gets in the way, the number one thing people will tell you to do is to let go of your dream, of your career. I cannot begin to tell you the number of times people told me to fold my company and stop working while I was taking care of my mother. And when I said, well, then how are either one of us going to eat? Because I support her financially as well. They'll be like, oh, you can figure it out. You can go on public assistance or something. And who among us has not heard something like this? Of why are you working? You should be, you know, and no knock on staying home. Mm -hmm. But you're constantly told to stay home. I just, I stayed home, you know, and took care of her and ran my business and wrote the book. And again, you get told you're crazy mm -hmm. or you shouldn't do that or you're selfish. But she was asleep. What 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 was I supposed to do? Right. right. Watch TV. So again, if you want to take a step back because that's what's necessary for your health and your well-being, then take a step back and then don't let anyone tell you you're silly and crazy for taking a step back. But if you want to continue pushing forward and for whatever reason, because that's what's making you happy, and people tell you, no, 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 you should be taking a step back. How dare you? And you don't want to, don't let yourself be persuaded of that either. Do what makes sense for you, whether that means stepping off the treadmill or running twice as fast. Don't listen to anybody else. I love that advice. It is so good. I've had that. I have four kids. I've birthed two of them, but we, we hear, I say we, but women as mothers collectively, I'm speaking for all of us, hear all the time how what was someone told me when I was pregnant with my second that I was a bad mother and wife because I was 
working, that I should be staying home and taking care of my children. I know. <laughs> and it's it's very hard because even though you know what is best for you, and I know at my core, I'm better. I'm a better mother and wife when I work, when I have an outlet where I can accomplish something. It doesn't matter if I'm working on a garden or if I'm working professionally, but I have to have that outlet. And for someone just to assume because I was pregnant that my best outlet would be to stay at home is just flabbergasting. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm so disappointed that we are still hearing this in 2022 that I don't even know what to say to it anymore. Really? Yeah. But, well, I mean, it was like 15 years ago, so it was a little bit ago. Okay. Okay. But you know what? We're, people are, st- I, I, I heard these things three years ago. So yeah, ladies, if you're out there and you're hearing that, just plug your ears. Yeah. Just, just listen to us, shut just them out, to- turn us on. <laughs> you, you, Dina and I have this figured out. And those other people do not. And that's the end of the story. (laughs) (laughs) So your new book, you said it's not a textbook, but from the sounds of it, it's still marketing analytics. What, What can people expect and why should they purchase it? What's in it? It is a book on how to, first of all, it's a book on how math is not scary and how your numbers as a business are not scary. Because I think as entrepreneurs, we often want, we we have to have rose-colored glasses on. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people don't like to measure things for that reason, or they feel that it's going to hamper their creativity. And so what this book talks about is, How can you use data, whether it's your social media data, the the data that you have on your customers that you know that you should be mining from way more insights than you currently are, and how can you use that data to make smarter business decisions? And I break it down into what are your core four types of analytics you should be looking at. They're related to your profitability, to the effectiveness of your content, knowing your customers and understanding where your customers are coming from, which are two different things. And it's, I break it down step by step. You can dip into the book. It is not meant to be read from beginning to end. It's got, I promise you, it has no steamy love scenes or car chases. (laughs) Um, So it is meant to dip into. So when you have a question of like, what does this number mean? Like what does, having 20% more people come to your website mean, but have your bounce rate, let's say, uh, be higher. What even is a bounce rate and why should I care? What is a good open rate when I send out an email? Like what percentage of people should be opening it? All those little nitty gritty numbers related to your business, other than accounting. How do I set a fair price for my business? All your nitty gritty numbers other than financials, because again, I'm not you know, equipped for the financial part of it, but anything to do with customer acquisition or pricing or determining what products to launch out there in the market or where your best customers are or who they are, I cover that. And it's meant to be like your dictionary of your numbers. I'm buying this. That is so good. Not only that, but I actually, I have a bookcase behind me and my goal is to fill it with inspirational books 
educational books, but especially female authored books. And to find not only a female authored book for something that I could utilize in my businesses, but also I love how you said it's to make math less scary. Societally, women are pushed that they don't know math. They're told from the very beginning days that boys are better at math. So to have a woman's voice breaking everything down so that I can understand it and prove like innately this woman is teaching me this, that I actually am good at math, that is so excellent. And that's why I wrote this book. So I teach marketing analytics at couple of at Harvard and Northeastern and I have not had a single semester where a student has not come up to me mostly women but not all saying I never thought I was good at math and now I know that I can deal with it and and that was part of the reason why the other part of the reason is I've been doing marketing analytics since really almost its inception. And I have a photo that I saved to the desktop of my computer. And I'm going to say this, and I, I say this with the full knowledge that somebody is going to hear this and get mad that I'm an angry woman, which is why I'm going to say this anyway, because it's Friday. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I was at a conference for marketing analytics in Toronto. I want to say it would have been 2009. And I was one of two female speakers. Mm -hmm. And I got mistaken for a cocktail waitress. I explained what I did. And I actually got told on, I believe, two to three separate occasions, wow, that must be really hard for you to understand. And I would try to sit down at tables during the luncheons and nobody would let me sit at their table. It was that petty junior high school stuff. And so this is mm -hmm. where I'm going to get labeled an angry woman for remembering this. And now I have written the textbook on that topic. And I will be honest with you, Dina, that gives me a level of satisfaction. So there. Yeah. And I, at the same time, you know, I've had so many wonderful people who have supported me, you know, of all genders, mm -hmm. but to remember that maybe I've done some small things so that the next young woman who is at a conference like that and is maybe doing like, that was my like only fourth or fifth time I was doing any public speaking and doesn't get that kind of treatment. If, if, one person doesn't get that kind of treatment and it, it's not just women it's anybody who doesn't present in the way you're supposed to present whatever mm -hmm. the demographic is you're supposed to be you're not that maybe you're an older person or somebody with visible disabilities or you know lots of people get condescended to people of one color person, yep. yeah is not condescended to because we're bringing diversity into these traditionally non-diverse spaces, then let them call me an angry woman. I don't care. Same. I get all the time. I, I tell everyone, I tell people about my podcast. Obviously it's a passion of mine and I get, oh, you're not one of those feminists, are you? And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, actually I am. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually at breakfast this morning, I was talking to my husband. He's like, I'm not really a feminist. I'm like, why? Because you think that men and women should be treated equally. He's like, yeah, that's it. And I'm like, that's feminism. 
like that's, that's all it is. Like, that, <laughs> that's like, the definition right there. Like right. put it on a t-shirt. We it's been defined. Yep. But he was like, no, no, it means women are better. I'm like, no, it's literally equality. It's that the the femininity, the flow, the less masculine approach is just as powerful as the masculine. And when we can get these two together, this company's unstoppable. Having people of color, having different sexualities all in the same room, hit every kind of topic and make sure that every issue is brought to the table so a solution can be met. You can't have that without it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That like that it it literally is simply the belief that everybody is equal and that we mm -hmm. should have greater diversity. Um, there was a study published in the Harvard Business Review that they gave groups that were more or less diverse just in their outlooks. They gave people like this personality quiz of how they solve problems. And they put groups of people who thought differently from each other together and people who thought alike together, and they made them solve a problem that had to be solved quickly and correctly. The people who thought most differently and were most different from each other solved the problem quickly and effectively, and the teams that were more homogenized failed to solve the problem at all. Mm -hmm. That says it all right there. That's it. Right. That's it. Like, that's all we're talking about here. Yeah. So it's really good for, for us, especially for people like you were speaking in 2009. You wrote the textbook on your topic. Like you said, if one woman or person of color or any other diversity walks into a room and isn't judged or isn't thought of as the help or beneath because of what you did, that's, I commend you for it. And that's part of why I'm here. I mean, the big part is I get to meet like the most badass women out there. So it's really fun for me. But every time we speak and every time we're out there and we're like, hey, we're a feminist. And that just means we'd like the same opportunity. Like, that's it. That's all we're trying to get out here. I really feel that every one of us that comes out and says it, we're closer, we're one step closer to it. We're one step closer to it. And, you know, I want to, I want to kind of go back to what I said, where, you know, I was mistaken for the help. And if I mm -hmm. had been the help, that should have been treated with respect. I mean, no right. matter what you do for a living, that is valid. And it just, so that, that brings up issues of like classism too. And I'd like everyone to feel that their possibilities are limitless and that whatever work they're doing, it is valuable and important and that they are deserving of respect and what they do is deserving of respect. And anything I can do to bring a little of that about, it's a good day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, my first job, I was a, a maid at a hotel. I and have... oh, go ahead. oh, I was just gonna say, and I feel at times because now I'm a lead over an IT organization. I feel at times that I worked so much harder being a maid, having to deal with the disgustingness of people after they leave some place that they don't own, you know, and 
when I tell people that they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, dude, when I did that, I worked so hard. Like, I love what you said. It doesn't matter what you're doing. As long as you're working your ass off, you, you, you deserve to be commended. It doesn't matter if you're flipping burgers, if that's your passion, do it. If you want to own a business, do it. Just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. It it absolutely doesn't matter. You know, I think that it the point here is be the best, whatever it is that you are right now, because you don't know what opportunities to do more of what you want or how much you will start to like what it is you did. I mean, I have, you know, I have worked retail. I have painted garages. And each time I try to find a, a way to do that, I mean, you know, obviously don't knock yourself out for something where you're not being appreciated, hmm. but always, if you are grooving on what you're doing, people need to respect that. And that's the end of the story. Yep. Yeah, I actually, I truly believe since I went from that and now I own a business, we had a team meeting this morning and I make sure every time I see the people that work for me know that I recognize the fact that if they just didn't show up, my business is garbage. I have nothing without them. They are the entire reason I have a business. And I think that's so important, not just on an owner employee perspective, but as, as a human. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, when they get into business, forget that aspect. Like the person you're talking to on the other side of the computer is a literal human being. Like that's it. Like they have family, they have friends, they have issues and traumas and stuff they have to work on. So bringing the, I, I, that's one of the perks of having women in these different positions is remembering that the human portion of what you're doing in business. I think that is so important. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody deserves respect, period. Mm -hmm. Like that, you know, that should be the baseline is that everybody should show up with, with three things a fundamental respect for everybody that they're dealing with, an assumption that people are doing the best they can with what they have, and a belief that everybody is deserving of happiness. And if you operate from those three places, everything else can fall into place as a leader. As a business person, I would say you need to also have three assumptions. It's everything I just said, but turn them back on yourself. Every, whatever you're doing is valid. You deserve to be happy. And you are doing the best you can. And if you feel like you're not, like maybe you're like vegging out when you know you could put in a little bit more effort, live up to what your pets think you are, except your cat. <laughs> Don't live up to what your cat thinks you are because we all know what our cats think of us. That's a very good one. I'm actually, I've, I'm in a group and they did a motivational Monday post and it has me reevaluating 
my work ethic because I always think that I'm a hard worker. And then I looked and I'm like, actually, I've really slacked in this. And I just, it, it seems to come on all of a sudden, but then you look back and you say, oh no, it went from three minutes of this to 10 minutes of this to now I spend two hours doing whatever this avoidance is. So it, it's really good to turn those things back on yourself. I love that. So I was wondering, do you have any advice? I mean, you've given a lot of advice to everyone here today, but what is the best advice that you've received in your entrepreneurial endeavor? I'm going to try to say this without crying. Okay. When my mother was close to the end, I was pretty much working out of her hospice room and she overheard me kind of going back and forth on a project where I was going to take on work that I knew was probably not going to be terribly profitable for us but I was just at a weak point was like well I need to keep my crew busy yeah I I probably myself won't be able to draw any salary out of this even though I'll be managing the project but it'll keep my team busy and she said to me why are you doing this? I was like, well, I I just don't have the time or energy to go out and hustle for more business right now. And she said, well, then so be it. Don't sell yourself short. And, you know, she, she nodded off because at that point she was, you know, in and out. And I would say probably like two days later, she just sort of wakes up to me and she says, don't blink. Just remember not going to be around to stop you from doing these for much longer. So no matter what you do in life, remember, don't blink. And now I am crying. (laughs) But that is the best business advice I ever got. That doesn't mean be inflexible, right? That's not not what she meant by that. But when you know you're going down a path that's not right for you, but you're like, okay, I'm going to blink because the world is getting to me. But you know you can do better than that. You can either hold yourself more accountable or you can push for more of what's going to be right for you. Don't blink. And I would say that's the best business advice I ever got. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I know it was difficult. But, but it, it sounds like she was your cheerleader. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny. I I had a tough childhood. I've, I've blogged about it, but only to my, some of my closer followers. And, you know, she was not, she wasn't able to, to be a mother to me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But in adulthood, she was, she was able to be a cheerleader to me. And I found a, you know, I found the peace within myself to make that be enough. And I think that's part of the reason why her, her, her advice to me towards the end of her life is is so special to me. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. So I know we've talked a lot about your business, but I'd like to know a little bit more about you. So what do you do for fun? Work. You know how it is, Dina. Um, so in a, so I um I live just outside Boston in a relatively small town in 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 the old family home that I ended up stuck in due to COVID and the housing mm. crisis. And I am slowly renovating it because 
okay, this is when I recognize that this actually legit is crazy. <laughs> um, but I am renovating the house. Well, it's it's like, what are you going to do? Like, there's no houses. There's legit no houses anywhere. Right. In area. Um, so I do that. I spend a lot of time with my, my family of choice, you know, the friends who have become family. I have three rescue dogs and a rescue cat who silently judges us all. Mm-hmm. And I love to go hiking, spend, you know, spend time with friends, go to the theater. I'm really just, you know, I'm rediscovering myself. I, I was a caregiver for the better part of a decade. It was the decade when I also built my business. I was laser focused on all of that. And so I would say the thing that I am doing now in midlife is, you know, post-COVID, post-caregiving, I feel like an empty nester at a relatively young age and I am I am reclaiming my life. That that's what I do for fun. Every day I do some stupid little thing that's just for me. That is so awesome. I love it so much. It's very much when I moved to Idaho, I had to find myself because I went from wife and living for a company and mother. Well, I got divorced when I moved. My kids went for the summer for their dad and I had really harsh boundaries with my new new company so I was off work and that was it so I was like who am I so I went through that too and I do the same thing last weekend I looked at my husband I'm like do we have plans and he's like no I'm like cool let's go for a motorcycle ride let's go to Wyoming (laughs) and we just we just did (laughs) So that is, it's what I love to hear is just be, being a kid is wasted on the kids. We need to do more of that fun, spontaneous, go out and throw leaves at each other, just fun stuff. It's so much more fun too when you're older and have more insurance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little little shout true. out to fried green tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so you just mentioned a book. I love to know what are you reading if you're a reader? Okay, I'm going to reveal myself to be like a total dork <laughs> again. But it you know, it, we're we're recording this in October, so I can say that it is like my my shout out to LGBTQ History Month, which is October, okay? Mm-hmm. So even and so as as an ally, I am reading a book it, it is, let me get the author's name right, because I always want to do right by my author, my, my fellow authors here, although this person is a historian um, much greater than I am, James Rom, who is, I believe, a Princeton historian, and it is a book called The Sacred Band, and it is about one of my favorite forgotten underdog stories. So if you've ever heard of the 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 Spartans, you know, right? Like these this terrifying mm-hmm. ancient army of warriors. It is the story about how a little town, little well, a, a not super little town, a, a a rural, relatively poor community called Thebes, got sick and tired of the Spartans dominating all of ancient Greece and terrorizing people and destroying democracy. And so this ragtag bunch of country people formed an army led by this guy who believed in, in, I'm going to mispronounce this, Pythagoreanism. Let me put it this way. It was an ancient Greek religion that was feminist, vegetarian, and believed in worshiping math. Wow. 
and he cooks up this plan to defeat the mighty Spartans with his ragtag country army that he whips into shape. And they defeat Sparta, make the world safe for democracy, not Athens, but, but Thebes, the underdog, makes the world safe for democracy by defeating the, the, the oppressive power of the Spartans. And so it is, it is a wonderful story of the good guys winning and the underdogs triumphing by being smart and not seeing the seeing what everyone else perceived as an unmovable obstacle and they're like you know to heck with this i was almost going to swear this is <laughs> oh not i've already been <laughs> you know and it's like we want our freedom back we want our dignity back we want our community to be safe and so if that means okay we defeat the greatest army that's ever you know lived well we'll just have to do that <laughs> right just, I just mean, go okay, ahead. So we'll do that. It's a really encouraging book. The title, The Sacred Band, comes from the 300-person the army that they built on top of like just the regular armed citizenry, all of whom were married to another member of the same army, which is why it's LGBTQ, which mm -hmm. I think is also kind of a really great story because unlike other armies, the Thebans were people who were like fighting beside their spouses, their siblings, their parents. They were fighting for their families and their communities against an unstoppable force because they just decided, I am not going to live like this anymore with a lack of freedom and a lack of human dignity. So that's what I'm reading right now. And I think anybody who feels like I'm an underdog facing like insurmountable odds can benefit from reading one of those kind of books. I like have a stack of underdog stories I love to read. And this is my current book. I love underdog stories. I love them for sure. They're so inspirational. As being a fellow underdog, it helps me when when the tough days happen. Yeah, you know, there's so that that is my one of my current ones. It's you have to, however, be a big old history nerd because it is still a history book. Yeah. So it's not it's not like uh, fiction based on fact. It is definitely a descript history book. It 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 is so okay. it, it's definitely a, a a mental effort to read, but in a good way. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit lighter, that's not like this very scholarly but still accessible book. The other book that I have been reading is a book called Own the Room, which is a bit of a misnomer. Because it sounds like, oh, you're going to dominate the room. and mm -hmm. But it's not about that. It's basically about how to find your own unique leadership style. And what the authors there talk about is we fall as people into three different kinds of communication style, only one of which is really going to get people to respect your leadership and also understand your message. You can fall too heavily in this onto the side of like too much empathy, which they call voice for others, where you're just so soft and so nice that you fail to stand up for anything, including your own team. Or you can have what they call, I think driving voice it's called, where you're just so assertive that you're 
being kind of mean and not listening and to find that balance. And that's what it's about. Cause it, it's, again, I'm not keen on the title because it's not about like being this big boisterous person or domineering. So own the room, I don't like that title. It's about finding the right balance between being so forthright that you're hurting other people, but or being so super nicey nice that you just kind of get mowed down by the powers that be and and mm -hmm. like don't go anywhere with your message. And so Own the Room is a little bit of an easier read, but I would say if you read both, you will not only be able to give a speech, but if you ever do have to fight off a Spartan, you will be ready to do that too. <laughs> it, I mean, just for that reason alone, everyone should read it. <laughs> you know, you, you, you never know when those skills will come in handy. That spear throwing, everyone needs to know that. <laughs> So that's really all I had for you, Christina. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there or any more questions? Um, I guess just, again, I wonder, my final advice is deep down, you know what you should be doing. You deep down know what is realistic for you so you can stay grounded and not waste your time on things that are a pipe dream. So if anyone says you're reaching too far, you should compromise on a thing that is very important to you. In other words, blink. I just want to pay forward my mother's advice and say, don't blink. Be flexible, listen to other people, certainly listen with empathy. And again, be there for the people who matter for you and for your community and for your team. But that's not what not blinking means. Not blinking means when you have your eyes set on a goal and you're getting detoured from that, just to stay the course. Don't give in when you know that you can succeed. Don't blink. I love it so much. That is, and it's so easy to remember. I'm gonna definitely pass that on and hopefully everyone who's listening is too. So, Christina, when everyone wants to reach out and find you, how can they locate you? Um, you can find my website for my company, thoughtlight.net, T-H-O-U-G-H-T-L-I-G-H-T.net. Or if you search for my book, Marketing Metrics by Christina Inge, last name spelled I-N-G-E, you can find it on Amazon. And if you go to my website, if you hit the info at button, that could and you send a message that way half the time I'm the one picking up those messages anyway so if you have any questions like about the book about marketing analytics about communications I'm happy to about blinking I am very <laughs> happy to answer them so thoughtlight t-h-o-u-g-h-t-l-i-g-h-t dot net Awesome. Well, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this, Christina. It was such a great discussion and we'll definitely link your book and Thoughtlight in the description so everyone can find you. Thanks so I hope you have a great Friday afternoon. Thanks, Dina. You too. And thank you so much for having me here and bye everybody. Of course. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye.
Right now, wanna be like us? You, you, baby. 